Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast, episode 92, the one about emojis in marketing, podcast mixtapes, business assessments, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, part one. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another recording of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. We are back with more news, tech content and wisdom from the world of marketing. Joining me, a man on a mission to keep marketing simple, the author of Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans, I give you Mr. Roger Edwards. Oh, thank you so much. And of course, it's also a pleasure to spend some time with a man who's also on a mission to demystify digital marketing. He's the host of the Content Marketing Studio video podcast. Please welcome from France, Monsieur Pascal Fintoni. Thank you very much, everyone. This is our very first episode of 2023, a 2023 predictions special. Um, but am I right in remembering, Roger, that we began in 2020? <laughs> yes, we did. We began in 2020. And it, I mean, it, it simultaneously feels like an eternity <laughs> ago, but also just last year like everybody i think i wiped out the last part of 2020 most of 2021 <laughs> and maybe the first half of 2022 and just sort of said well that was the pandemic so really it only feels as if it's about a year ago even though we've been at it for our third year starting today yeah so listen you know can I just take a moment to <laughs> thank all our amazing supporters viewers and listeners a recent one as well as people have been joining us from the summer of 2020 uh, th this is you know what keep us going you know your your nods your feedbacks your likes and comments and so on but also that you're allowing us to craft a um, you know a, a show that is looking at marketing from so many different facets including film marketing and this week it was your turn to select you know which film marketing campaign to review yeah and re well quite recently pascal we we've started looking at films that haven't been released yet which is a little bit of a different way to the way in which we started because mainly we would focus on films that have already been released some of them you know 20 or 30 or 40 even 40 years ago but today we're going to have a look at mission impossible 7 dead reckoning part one which isn't going to be released until the 14th of july of this year 2023 and i'm really excited to talk about this because again this film is already two years late because of the <laughs> pandemic i know and you know, it, you know, here we are, twenty twenty three, and we're still having to relate to the impact of this, you know, really unfortunate global event. And I think it's going to be around for a while, where people be able to say, "Yeah, that was because that, that was because." Uh, and for me, I think it's going to be fascinating the lessons we can all derive from how do you begin a campaign, and how you're going to sustain the interest, you know, for the for the coming six seven months. So that's going to be great. But as I mentioned, this is a twenty twenty three predictions special, and we're going to begin with the news. According to the Forbes Agency Council, search marketing is going to change in a big way, with reports that Gen Zers use TikTok more than Google for their searches. Well, the team at Social Media Examiner shared their 2023 predictions, of course, and short form videos lead the way from Rails to YouTube Shorts and, yes, even on LinkedIn. Podcast listening will also continue to grow. On BBC Sounds, there were a record 57.7 million plays of all content during the holidays. Newscast was the most listened to podcast, followed by Your Dead to Me, Slice Bread, and Uncanny. 
According to MarTech.org, online networking will get better and more immersive thanks to 5G rollout, in particular, powering lifelike of avatars, incredible metaverse experiences, and 360 real-life video meetings. Customers continue to be in charge of your marketing with privacy and peace of mind, advertising with a purpose, personalization, and a more visual and interactive experience, top of their priorities, according to searchengineland.com. Well, listen to this. AI and machine learning will dominate and move faster within sales and customer service rather than marketing, from auto-translation to automated FAQs and virtual assistants, according to Google. Research from the Content Marketing Institute suggests using low-cost, high-impact interactive will become key to marketing strategies. For example, interactive infographics, quizzes, calculators, assessments, interactive maps, or interactive videos. And finally, brands that have remained loyal to TV advertising will start experimenting with streaming platforms from lower-tier membership on Disney Plus or Netflix to free ad-supported TV services from Samsung and Roku. Wow. Well, some big predictions for 2023, but then again, maybe, you know, not unsurprising in many respects. Not at all. So I'll begin with podcast and BBC Sounds as, um, I mean, do I qualify Roger as an expat, uh, as a French national who spent most of his life in the UK coming back to France? What am I to you? Am I an expat or am I coming home? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, uh, I mean, ever since I've known you, Pascal, you've lived in the UK. So to me, you've now left the UK and become an expat. But uh, I've always had a problem with the term expat. Actually, it's just a, just a completely bizarre term. <laughs> yeah, well, expatriate. You know, it means expatriate. like you're being excommunicated somehow yeah. from uh, your local church. But we listen to BBC Sounds daily with my wife, Denise, and I do listen to newscast um, a lot. It's a wonderful kind of half hour chit chat between journalists. It's almost like, you know, they finished finished uh, the day's work and they've been caught in a corridor to quickly um, share, you know, the, the news of the day. I do also listen to the comedy, You're Dead to Me, which I think is wonderful. I've not listened to Slice Bread and, and Canny, but yeah, this idea of predictions of more and more people listening to podcasts is something that, to your point, is a safe prediction, isn't it? Ah, I mean, it's a safe prediction, as is also safe to say that Reels and YouTube Shorts and TikTok and short-form video is going to be a big thing. I mean, you don't really need to be a genius, nor do you need to have a crystal ball to make that sort of prediction, um, do you, really? <laughs> Let's face it. No, absolutely. I think what, what, what we're talking about is the um, almost, you know, the sheer volume of adoption compared to, you know, the, the kind of things. The one that I wanted to challenge, because I've seen it happen before, is the very first one you read, Roger, about search marketing and this idea of Gen Z using TikTok more than Google for their searches. And, and, and I think there's an element here of misrepresentation of the behavior and, and the stats. So what is happening is... TikTok is used primarily by Gen Zers, as uh, the article says, and nobody likes to be put into a, a, a box, you know, so. so they are on TikTok a lot to be entertained. As a result to which advertisers use TikTok, as a result to which they are discovering your services for the first time, but they don't use TikTok to search. 
I mean, you and I have been pressure testing TikTok, and you could argue that such function is non-existent or is very, very poor. And this is where, you know, all of us marketers, we have to use some element of be quite pragmatic, being actually even, even curious about what's behind the attention-grabbing headlines. And to me, that's almost like a false prediction. It's like saying to somebody, those who eat chocolate and love chocolate will eat more chocolate soon. And it's a bit, a bit daft, really. Yeah, and... There's a little bit, it's a bit worrying for somebody to suggest that people would go onto TikTok to learn something. Whereas, I mean, let's face it, whatever you might say about Google, on the whole, if you search for something, all their algorithms and filtering processes and checking processes mean that the answer that you get is very likely to be true or close to the truth. Whereas, you know, I, I've I've searched for things on TikTok just to test it out. And as you know, I work a bit in the financial services industry. And you can search, give me investment advice. And yes, indeed, you can find some guy in Illinois or some bloke in um, the Czech Republic or some girl in Australia who will be giving investment advice. But on the whole, that investment advice could be completely wrong. That particular individual is not registered to give financial advice under any regime anywhere in the world and is probably talking complete bullshit and has just done this to get clicks now if you were to google the same question you would probably get an answer that was very close to the truth or at least it would put you in touch with a registered financial advisor regulated in the uk by the financial services authority or whichever country it might be and I just worry that people, if they did switch search away from Google to, towards something like TikTok, that we actually are depriving people of knowledge rather than giving them knowledge because they're going to be getting stuff that just genuinely isn't the right answer or isn't true. And to your point, I mean, Google and many other search engines do have you know, a fair, fair way to validate information. You know, they, they, well, they look at authority, they look at, you know, obviously, the source of the information. So it's imperfect, but it goes some ways to at least suggest, you know, this has been going through a number of steps before it's presented to you, not to mention the internet itself voting for its quality. I wanted to get your reaction on, it's fascinating, so you and I have, spend a lot of time discussing AI machine learning <laughs> and automation in the world of marketing. We had our own test of ChatGPT, and the platform is still making the headlines right now. But interestingly, it would seem as though this idea of, you know, creating information and responding via uh, uh, a machine is going to be used primarily in sales and customer service more than marketing, suggesting that creativity is still something that machines can't quite do. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, you know, we did, as you say, we tried out ChatGPT. And funnily enough, over the Christmas period, I've watched a few YouTube videos about people playing around with ChatGTP. And one of the areas it does seem to work pretty well is just answering mundane questions. Um, and yeah, that, that, you know, you don't need to be a major creative force to answer a mundane question. I, you could argue that you might want to make the, the style in which you answer that question a little bit more lively or chatty or whatever it is, depending upon your audience. But I, I still don't believe that chat GTP or whatever comes next or any iteration of these AI things will take 
will be able to totally replicate the creativity of the human mind. And yes, we might start using these things to give us prompts, to give us ideas, to give us outlines of, say, an article or a script, but that will be pretty bland and pretty mediocre. And we still need a human mind to put our own flavors and our own stories and our own personality over the top of that. And I think that the people who don't, people who just take the bland and the mediocre from these AI platforms, we're just not going to stand out. They will just become a mass of mediocrity. Whereas the people that do use AI to give them the prompts, but then build on that with their own personalities, those are the people who are going to continue to shine and continue to stand out. Yeah, and no, I think you're right. You know, the, the technology is meant to support us, not to replace us. But I would say with regard to oh, you know, that lower tier customer service or even sales activity where someone goes, well, you know, we've had the example of uh, the chatbot, you know, on social media and, and more. There's going to be a lot of that going on. Very quickly then to wrap up on this uh, 2023 prediction and uh, in the news, the metaverse is going to become incredible according to the experts, Roger. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. One of my predictions for 2023 is that by the end of 2023, we won't all be in the metaverse. There is still so much BS talked about the metaverse. And and yes, uh, you know, again, the other day I saw this um, news report from some company in Japan that's come up with a slightly different shape of goggle that you can put on and and there's even one that goes over your mouth as well to um to give a better sound quality so that people can go into these 360 degree meetings and i'm just thinking no they don't want that people mm. don't want that you know a lot of people now are having zoom meetings and are giving each other permission to turn off the video so that it's more like what we used to call a phone call, you know, without the video, because people don't want to be scrutinized all the time. I, I, I just think that the problem with the metaverse still is there are a lot of people out there creating solutions to problems that have they don't that don't exist. They haven't done the research. They haven't identified a customer issue that needs solving with a 3D environment, and therefore these things will fail until we start going back to the basic principles of marketing and that is find out what the customer need is and build a solution to that customer need rather than thinking here's some fab technology that we desperately want to get out there so let's just do it and see what happens now and for me the, the metaverse and all the others you know the close cousins to that they're going to have an amazing impact in other walks of life i'm thinking sciences i'm thinking potentially education and so on but in terms of, of business what i what I believe is the case, because we and I reviewed that recently on the episode of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast, it's going to be short, sharp, um, incredible experiences, but you'll be in the metaverse for the, to the tune of minutes. Mm. That's what's going to happen. Mm. It'll be an event of sort, and then you, you'll come out again and think, and the brand will get the recognition. Think of it as, you know, like you and I back in our days of starting marketing, a PR stunt in the streets of London or Edinburgh. That's going to be the equivalent. It was short, sharp. It made people stop. Um, people on the bus look, took pictures, put it on social media. But they didn't spend, you know, the entire day executing the PR stunt. And I think that's where perhaps the metaverse in the, from the brand positioning point of view is going to find its, its, its rhythm, but not to invite someone to spend uh, the duration, for example, of a virtual conference um, in the metaverse, apart from you know very dedicated people. 
And actually, just closing on that, the, the individual that I saw doing a, um, a test of being in the metaverse was complaining that at the end of each day, they had massive red marks around his forehead <laughs> and his eyes because of the goggle that he had to wear. You know? So that's not going to work so much. Anyway, thanks very much. And I loved um, hearing your reaction. For you viewers and listeners, you've kind of heard um, Roger and I do the list of predictions. Have you got some extra ones you want to share? Please let us know. And what would you say is your favorite from the list that you've heard a moment ago? We're going to slow things down and move on to our next segment, Content Spotlights. So, Roger, for the first time this year, 2023, what have you found that can help us reflect what it means to be a marketer and content creator in today's economy? All right, Pascal, I'm going to talk about emojis today emojis now listen you're a big fan of richard's house of games um and i don't know whether you can still watch that now that you live in france but we cannot you can't oh absolute tragedy will trisha and i watch it (laughs) richard's house of games every day whilst we're having our dinner uh i just love the variety of games now the one game one of the games that i love is called totes emoji do you remember that one I do, do. Uh, can, I, can I just say that, of course, uh, a few years ago, I could have said to you, can you tape it for me? And you could have sent, <laughs> could have sent a VHS cassette via post. I'm not sure you know, that uh, you can do this anymore. Oh, I, I could probably find some way of doing it. I'll put a camera in front of the TV <laughs> and film it for you. But Totes Emoji, effectively, what they'll do is they'll say that um, one of the guests has to use emojis and only emojis to describe a TV show or a film or a place in the world. And obviously what they do is they'll, they'll go for the, uh, as many emojis or as few emojis as they need to actually describe what they are having to describe. Now, it's a fascinating round because some of them will will pile about 15 to 20 emojis on the screen. And sometimes that is just so confusing, nobody ever gets the answer. And then some of them will come up with absolute genius like with one or two emojis which will give away the title of the film book or whatever it might be and and it's just one of those rounds that i just wish that you know they, they do about three each don't they um mm. in the, in the episode and i just wish it's one of those rounds that would last longer but anyway i had that in my mind when i came across this article in the, the entrepreneur website and it's called five reasons why you need to make emojis part of your marketing strategy and the, and, the, and the byline's quite interesting as well. It says, don't scoff at emojis. You'd be surprised by how much they drive your brand's customer engagement. Here are five ways you can start interacting, the integrating the icon into your marketing strategy. The article has been written by Nick Brogdon, and it's quite a short article, but sometimes I quite like short and sweet. Now, He's saying, why should you use emojis? And and effectively, we're talking about using them in your communications, whether that's in your social media, whether that's in your text messages, maybe even in your written messages, which might be a little bit uh, controversial. But his first question is, why should you use emojis? First answer is that, actually, did you know that in tests, if you use an emoji in your subject line on an email, it can actually increase the open rate by between 3 and 4%, which is actually quite high if you think about the people, the number of people who don't open emails. If you use emojis on Instagram 
or other social media, it increases the number of interactions. And I can actually hold my hands up here and say that I've been um, experimenting on YouTube with YouTube Shorts. I haven't done this with my long-form videos because I think this is more uh, relevant to short-form. But on the Shorts that I've put up on my YouTube channel where I have used emojis, the click-through rate and the number of views has been a lot higher. So I'm living proof that this is the case. And again, you know, we're in a world now where everything is fast, communication is fast, and let's face it, sometimes you might write the wrong thing or you might get the tone wrong in something you write, and putting a smiley face at the end or an embarrassed face at the end might make the difference between somebody misinterpreting the tone of your of your communication. So it's quite interesting, just those little those little things. And he's saying, okay, if we assume that it's going to have a positive effect, how can we use them? Now he then goes into these five reasons. So the first one is to choose a series of signature emojis that you think you should use within your personality and your brand. And he quotes the example here of effectively McDonald's taking ownership of the French fries emoji. Now, I don't know whether the French fries emoji came first or whether McDonald's had a quiet word with the emoji creators, whoever they are, and said, hey, emoji creators, can you give us a French fries emoji? Uh, but apparently Ta Taco Bell actually pe petitioned for a taco emoji. And what he's suggesting is you know yes use emojis but maybe don't use every single one as and when focus in on a few that represent your brand values in the same way as mcdonald's is using the uh, the french fries and it's all about trying to humanize the tone of your voice so i think this goes back to what i was saying there about the examples if you get the tone wrong sometimes emojis can just set the tone right can create a feeling of happiness depending upon the use of the smiley face or, or whatever it might be the third one is sometimes words are not enough and i guess that takes you to the sort of the the uh the totes emoji round in in richard's house of games you know it's so fascinating to see whether you can describe something in emojis alone i mean you could play a similar game could you describe something in pictures alone but emojis are so convenient and i actually think that sometimes if you went through that exercise pascal of just use you just forced yourself i'm going to explain something in in emojis it's quite a hard thing to do. And if you can get it across that way, it could be quite powerful. So it's a challenge I'd like to lay down to people listening to the podcast or watching the podcast is, you know, what's your key message that you put out to your customers? Go away and try and put that message across just in emojis. It'll be challenging, but you might get a breakthrough that might lead to something else. It might not be emojis, but it might give you something, oh, we could be clearer here, or maybe our written message isn't quite as clear as it should be, and therefore we need to change it. And the next one is going on is is now create create your your um, content using those emojis. Um, you know you 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 might even go as far as to ha start having shortcuts on your keyboard so that specific brand emojis can be d called up at the click of a button rather than having to do the Windows sort of Windows 
uh, press the button, hit the uh, full stop key, have the box come up and then scroll through it and, and um, choose your emoji. You can actually do hot keys. And his final one is try doing emoji polls. So if you want to ask people a question, instead of saying, what do you think of EasyJet's latest um, uh, route from Edinburgh to, to Paris, instead of saying, fantastic, not too good, use emojis, smiley face, grumpy face, thumbs down, whatever it might be. So have a little bit of fun. Now, admittedly, Pascal, some people, in the older age groups, the sort of the Gen Xers like like ourselves, may be a little bit less comfortable using emojis. We may think it's something that younger people do. I actually quite like emojis, I always have done, but they're not for everybody. So again, look at your target audience, who are you selling to, who are your customers, maybe do some A-B testing, try and work out whether it does work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, move on. If it does, it's something you could incorporate within your communication strategy. But one thing that is interesting and it, and it is very important across age groups, and I read a different article about this, is that some people in different generational groups interpret different things from the emojis that you might be comfortable with if you're in the age group that we are in pascal so for us to me a thumbs up is actually to me a positive sort of hey you've hit the nail on the head that's fantastic love it great stuff carry on but apparently some gen zedders see the thumbs up as a sort of intimidating sign and is actually something of a bit of a wind-up. Now, I don't know why that is, but that is the case. So mm. if you are going to use emojis, you do need to make sure that you aren't inadvertently upsetting people because across different generational groups, different emojis can have a different connotation. So going back to where I started, if you do want to use an emoji to sort of set the tone of your written communication, you've got to have to make sure that that smiley face or that thumbs up doesn't inadvertently reinforce the negative tone of your communication as opposed to alleviate the negative tone. So I think it's still a little bit of a balancing act, but it still will also come back down to you've got to know your customer. Fascinating. And you know, what? what, what as I was listening to you, I was thinking if Roger had picked this article, uh, let's say 10 years ago, by and large, people say no, and not <laughs> yeah. touching emojis. And I think the lesson for all of us marketers and, and business owners, entrepreneurs by extension, is you know your personal convictions or even you know the, the mood of the market can change over time. So maybe yes, ten years ago, it have been quite a poor decision to plaster emojis over social media, your blog post, and the internet. But that's the reality. At that time, in in two thousand and thirteen, no, um, yes, it is. I get my math right. <laughs> uh, and then, I think you almost need to put it to one side and say, "I'll go back to it to see if anything has changed, or if indeed technology has improved the way which we can use it." I mean, for me, the the one that I, I introduced quite some time ago is a signature. So, particularly if I talk about you know online video content, I'll sign the, the statement with this on Twitter and blog posts with a thumbs up, actually, uh, clapperboard, and the smiley face. You know, saying mm -hmm. "Go ahead, film something, and engage your audience." 
So I think the signature is probably the, the good entry point for most people who are not using emoji. Then you're right, reflect on, would that sentence with only the written word, could it be you know, understood in different ways? Therefore, the smiley face or the thinking face or the, the, the applause if you want to praise somebody and so on. And I think like all good kind of marketing activities, audience guides your, your thinking. And I wouldn't be surprised if, bear in mind, you know, your contribution today, if very, very soon, if not already, um, the emoji set is part of the brand guideline, the same way colors and photography and typography, you know, that kind of um, go-to Bible for all communicators within the organization. So that would be the exercise that we do as well for anyone, whether you work on your own or you're part of a larger team, is at some stage, you've got to um, design and adopt your emojis, set some some guidelines so that a, you remember how to use them yourself and you can communicate it to others as well. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. 10 years ago, people would have said, don't, don't be pathetic. It's emojis are for kids. Go away. But things change. Absolutely. So what have you got for us this week, Pascal? So, so this week I've got something that I, I was a little nervous about introducing because I thought, I hope people w won't think that once again, I'm pushing the boundaries of this podcast, but it's a video. It's a video from a media company called New Rockstars. And it's about the, them announcing their content strategy for, for the year. The title is as simple as major announcement, new rock stars in 2023 exclamation mark. And the video is hosted and presented by um, Eric Voss. Now, so I know that people are listening saying, you've chosen something from YouTube, new rock stars very, very quickly. It's a media company specializing in movies and TV series. They do a trailer breakdown, they do movie reviews, they do reflections on that kind of thing. So think of it as what we do with film marketing, but they, they do something that go deep diving into the, the Easter eggs, for example, that you could find in the latest um, James Bond movie, that kind of things. And the, the, the production is, is fantastic. The pace and the energy is, is really great. And, you know, you and I use this podcast as a way to, in our own ways, lift spirit. And that's what they do. So it'd be very easy to dismiss my inclusion today and their work as there's just a bunch of people uh, talking about movies on YouTube. But actually, no, you know, Eric Voss and his colleagues are entrepreneurs. They have understood there was a demand, an audience. They've chosen YouTube as a channel and they've worked incredibly hard at creating a product, a brand and experience. But the reason why I've chosen this one is I've followed new rock stars for years now. So if you and I watch a film, then I will watch their take on the movie and I will challenge myself, have I spotted as many Easter eggs as they have? Um, if I look at the trailer, the way they break it down, do I agree, do I disagree? So they've been a little kind of um, virtual kind of ally of, of mine. But I was very surprised that they would take the trouble to announce their future work. And then I got it. I said, of course they have to. And by extension, we all need to in our own way, using emojis maybe, using a blog post, using a postcard, but you've got to get your audience excited about what's coming because otherwise they're gonna make assumptions and we know what happens with making assumptions. What I've done for a company like New York Stars who are in the business of breaking down movies and TV series and trailers, I have broken down their announcements. So I'm doing the breakdown of the breakdowns. And I want to kind of share this as a blueprint for 
anyone, no matter your industry, to follow. So this is like a technique uh, video, Roger, and it begins cleverly with the why. So why do they feel the need to announce it and why their changes? And they talk very, very briefly about the need to adapt to market forces, the need to adapt to audience needs, the need to adapt to the fact that actually, when you think about it, by and large, the, the number of releases of the movies on, on, online and by TV is increasing. And they are adapting. So we start with a why. So for any of you planning to do an announcement about your content marketing efforts this year, why are you changing? And then they quickly give a summary of what to expect this year. And they say, of course, you're going to get the usual. And they summarize what they've done so far, which I think is very clever, Roger, because potentially somebody's watching this announcement about what's new 2023, but they are a new audience for new rock stars. So, you know, a reminder of the usual services is very important. And then they give a very, very brief overview, a teaser, if you will, of the additional content coverage, the theme, um, you know, what news they're going to react to and so on. So they give an overview. As a result of which, you're left with the impression of, wow, they're doing a lot, which is exactly where Eric Voss, the presenter, wants you to get to thinking, well, that's a lot. And he said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's a lot. As a result of which, I want to remind you about the amazing team working at New York Stars. And that's something that I think we should do more, more all of us, not just a team internally, but also the wider team so that it's plausible, so that you can create credibility, which is the promises of Roger, Pascal, Eric Voss, anybody else listening today that you're making. That seems like a hell of a lot. That is the question of capability. That is the question of, are you going to be like all the others out there over-promising on the delivering? So then um, Eric Voss presents the team. And that's it very cleverly. Not only does he mention the individual, uh, in terms of their contribution, but why they're looking after this particular content format, their track record, and things you can look forward to. So it creates an element of really humanizing um, everything. Then it also thanks people behind the scenes, which I thought was very lovely. So the operations and production staff that you won't get to see from the camera, they get a thank you as well. And then he announces in more detail what's new for 2023. And I think that was very, very clever. He explained what they will not do this year compared to previous years before adding what they're going to do this year and there there was an element of this idea of because not everything works or actually saying we started a trend some time ago everybody's copying us so we're dropping it so this idea of we're not going to do this anymore we're going to do this instead i thought was fascinating to share that in in, in details then spend some time on announcing what's new so a different format more youtube shorts which will not surprise you but new to new rock stars interestingly an expert guest in-depth interview the, the fact that we get you to, to vote and this some amount of interaction. So as you're kind of listening in to the narrative, then, of course, they go for the big announcement and they are launching a brand new product. And they explain a bit more about it, give you ways to be part of the IP list and so on. And in the case of new rock stars, they're going for a brand new YouTube channel which, where they're going to go for deep dive content, so long-form content. And that, to me, is also a very, very important hint so to date, the New York Stars channel has grown through, let's call them short to mid-length mid content. They want to do long-form content, and what they're not doing is trying to shoehorn it into the existing environment. They are creating a separate channel altogether where they can essentially you know, do it as their heart's content as long-form. Long form. Then they have the call to action, and then a very sincere, actually, thank you message for uh, to the audience, 
for allowing them to get to where they are and how excited they are in 2023. So a major announcement done by, I grant you, a media company focused on film and, and TV and popular culture. But the structure is an amazing blueprint that we can all use. I like the blueprint, Pascal. And, and let's face it, it's good to work from blueprints. It's good, mm -hmm. good to work from blueprints. It's not actually a YouTube channel I've come across. Um, so when I started this, when I saw this in the notes, new rock stars, I thought that it was some sort of an <laughs> announcement that, you know, uh, this is the new John Bon Jovi or this is, this is the new uh, uh, Genesis or whatever it is like that. But I, I get what they're saying. But I think the major learning that, that has come from this is that sort of announcement structure uh, and let, let's face it an announcement is a form of press release it's a form of mm, advertising right. isn't it and uh you know we can all learn from different ways of announcing whether it's on youtube whether it's a press release whether it's a an advert on a billboard so looking slightly outside of your comfort zone at something like this is again going to give you ideas as to how you can announce the products that you want your customers to buy. Yeah, thank you, Roger. And that's really at the heart of how we constructed on the show, looking for inspiration and example outside of the usual kind of, uh, because to me, that's, that's what it's all about. You would be more inspired by someone who doesn't work in the industry than trying to emulate what the competition um, is doing. So thank you very much. And thank for allowing me to add um, new rock stars as part of content spotlight. Normal programming will resume next episode, I, I promise you. Right. Thank you very much. We're going to move on to one of my favorite segments of the show because Roger is always full of surprises, marketing tech and apps. So in this part of the show, Roger and I surprise each other with uh, discoveries, tech, app, online solution that can make life easier as a content creator and marketer. So what have you got for us this week? Oh, Pascal, every single year, every single year when we start <laughs> off, I always start thinking about productivity because like everybody, I tend to procrastinate sometimes. I've got my phone, I've got my iPad. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, losing uh, my concentration a bit i might open up my phone and look at twitter or i might open up my phone and look at um, instagram or whatever it might be i'll check my views on 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 youtube rather than actually getting on with the piece of work that i've got in front of me and this time every year i make a sort of almost like a new year's resolution that i will be more focused and i won't let things distract me and as a result of that i went out looking for apps that could help now Obviously, the iPhone has now got these built-in things where you can say, I don't want to use any of my apps during a particular time. And you can actually block yourself from, from using certain apps. And there are other apps out there that will turn off your socials and everything. But I came across this one, which I just liked the idea. It's called Forest. Okay, it's called Forest. <laughs> and it's, it, it's the, the byline is stay focused and be present. Now, in the past, I think I've reviewed something called the Pomodoro technique, which is basically you work for 25 minutes without distractions, and then you have five minutes off. And in those five minutes, you can go and make a cup of coffee, or you can check your socials or whatever it is. But the thing is, you've got to have that focus for 25 minutes. Now, it's a similar thing, this forest, but it's linked to a charity and that charity plants trees. And let's face it, these days with climate change and all of that, we need to be planting trees. So their neat little idea is that this app will only work when it's completely open on your screen. So you can't have it 
reduced. You can't have it um, hidden away or you can't have it split screen. So you set it off for your period of work that you don't want to be procrastinating and going off and doing something else. And effectively, once you start, it plants a seed and this tree will start to grow on this app for whatever period it is you've designated. So if it was 25 minutes to mirror the Pomodoro technique, it could be that or it could be an hour, whatever you choose. But only if you go the entire distance without switching that screen off or if you go into Twitter or if you go into Facebook or if you go into anything else, email, if you pick up your phone, it will take you away from that screen and that seed won't grow. But every time you create a full tree during that period, you get a credit and the number of credits build up and eventually this company will plant a tree in your honor somewhere in the world where trees need to be planted. And it might be a little bit of a bizarre idea, but I actually quite liked it. It made me smile uh, and it made me download the app. And I thought it was a neat, neat sort of variation on a, on an old way of getting yourself to stop procrastinating. The second one is a little bit more traditional. Um, I do sometimes tend to listen to music in the background when I'm doing work, Pascal. And I know that on the whole, that's not the right thing to do, especially if it's music that I like, like the aforementioned John Bon Jovi or Genesis, I'll end up humming along or singing <laughs> along or just listening to it rather than doing work. And interestingly enough, this morning, I was teaching my yoga class down at Bannertines and in the first 15 minutes of my yoga class, the mind and body studio at Bannertines is directly next door to the main aerobics studio. And there's a Zumba class next door for the first 15 minutes. And as you would expect, that's loud music with people whooping and shouting and everything. And I was trying to get these guys to relax, trying to get them into the yoga mood. And next door, Angie's singing, is whooping away. And then she comes on with that song, I just died in your arms tonight. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to start singing this song because I like that song, but I'm the yoga teacher. I'm supposed to be calming these people down. And I can't think of a better example as to why music probably doesn't work when you're working because your head wants to start interacting. So I came across this app called Noisly. And again, it's one of these apps that decides to change the way you spell things. So it's noise, N-O-I-S-L-I. And effectively, it's one of those apps where you can create background noise. Now, there's been a lot of these over the years, but this is one of the most flexible I've seen. So you could have running streams, you could have birds tweeting, you could have a combination of birds tweeting and running streams. Some people like the drone of being inside an aeroplane or something like that, or maybe the background sound of being on a train, the clank, 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 whatever it might be. But again, sometimes having that white noise in the background as opposed to music or even an ebook or something aids your concentration. So I thought that was quite a nice, neat little combination. An app which ultimately, if you do focus, might actually get some trees planted somewhere in the world. And at the same time, you could use this Noisly app to create all the forest sounds that you need to give you that encouragement to grow the trees in the first place. <laughs> this is wonderful. And yes, you're absolutely right. This is always how you've started the, the years on two gigs a marketing podcast. And I'm always amazed you know, how much you can find. Do you know that the forest one, 
I mean, I like both of them, and particularly noisily, because I have fun in any way that when I work, I eventually tune out the music, so it's it's kind of wasted, um, you know, soundtrack because I don't listen because I'm concentrated, so I might as well have something else. But the, the forest one reminded me as well of an app that would encourage people to to go out and walk more, particularly after the the pandemic. That again. And what they were doing, basically, they were matching your the number of steps and the distance to cover to the journey of Frodo and Samwise <laughs> Gamgee to Mordor. And essentially, they would say to you, you know, almost competition with your, your mate, if you wanted, who's going to get to Mordor first? So yeah. you would just get on with your day. And at the end of each day, you probably saw it, you get a report saying, you're getting close to Rivendell, you're getting close to <laughs> Moria. And so you mentioned in the news earlier, this idea of, you know, low cost, high impact interactivity. And I think Forest is a very good example of that. So, so well done. So hit me with your marketing tech and apps this week, Ken. Well, you know, my you know now obvious obsession with content creation, as in always, you know, never settling for the status quo. So um, this year I'm refreshing the training courses. I'm looking at coaching services. You know, you're now be doing something uh, and announcing that very soon as well. And, and sometimes even for my own inspiration, motivation, I want to reset a number of things and make them make them have more impact. And the number of things that I do a lot is I share findings. I mean, you could say marketing tech and app is another one with screenshots. And you go on the internet and I've got hundreds of screenshots of a web page or of an app and so on and so forth. And th that's what they are really. And they're not particularly uh, exciting after a while. They, they don't come alive the best way you can. So I came across this um, platform called Picker. P-I-K-A, as you mentioned, if it's an app, you can't spell properly. And they are essentially designed to create mock-up images of an, an image in situation. So an image on a laptop, laptop screen, an image within a mobile phone screen, maybe even uh, an entire website itself, just from a keyword. Maybe you want to share you know a statement in a form of a tweet and so he goes on so essentially it's taking uh, images and words and putting it into a scenario that you have imagined so you go through the dashboard you upload your image or you enter your text and you choose the template and you can download the, the png they have a free version they have an agency kind of rate because of course you know they, they have to 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 be making making a profit but i thought that was just that which is you know go through your content go through your website and is there a better way to represent you know the idea or, or the concept if it is a website to be visited shouldn't, would you be better off or would the audience engage more if the website was actually sitting within a laptop itself that is in three dimension you know on screen so What's the thing like this that I've been looking at? So pick out, have a look, everyone. I think you'll have fun exploring options. And then the other one is all to do with um, being useful to your audience, in particular, back to your news item again around podcast listening and people consuming more audio. And I came across this platform, and they are just beginning called Hark. H-A-R-K, and what they are offering um, users as well as content creators and have open uh, an account, so we're going to be exploring option. Essentially, they are offering the option of creating audio mixed tape. So I mentioned a moment ago about VHS cassettes. I don't know the average age of the audience listening to, to Gigs and Martin podcast, but Roger and I are from the generation where if we wanted to 
you know, essentially show our affection to somebody else, we would actually put together a mixtape and we would also write messages on the cover. We would probably do some very clever artwork and saying, this is a music that I like best. And if you like it too, perhaps, you know, I can walk with you back to school one day holding your <laughs> hand. That, that was how gentle we were back in the days. So what they're saying is that you become a Hark editor and literally you can handpick podcast moments and extract and curate and compile this into a podcast mixtape and then send the link to your customers to or even embed onto your website and so on. I was just thinking, you know, whilst we're going to have a vast increase in podcast listening and therefore be new listeners, what would be a great kind of customer service ethos to say, if you're new to podcast listening or if you're new to to Gigs and Martin podcast, here's a mix tape of our best moment and if you like it here's a way to subscribe love the idea although i haven't had you pegged as one of those romantics who puts together mixtapes but uh gosh i can remember mixtapes i didn't have that many records at the start and i always remember trying to create mixtapes by listening to the um bbc radio one top 40 countdown on a sunday mm. evening and sort of strategically recording the particular songs that i wanted she so had to be quick off the mark because say i wanted to record i don't know love lifters up where we belong i'd have to anticipate that it was <laughs> at number three or something like that and if i got it wrong it might come on so quick i missed the beginning but anyway no love those ideas pascal <laughs> thank you very much and these were the days and you know what i'm not going to add any more band but just to say why don't we move on to this week in history yeah In 1953, Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft, was born in Seattle. Amongst other things, he contributed to the development of the Altair Basic for the MITS Altair, Microsoft Basic, and of course, MS-DOS. Wow. Well, in 1962, shooting begins in Kingston, Jamaica for Dr. No, the first James Bond film, but in fact, the sixth in Ian Fleming's book series. The film was released on the 5th of October 1962, and 50 years later, as you recall, Roger, everybody celebrated Global James Bond Day. In 2001, Steve Jobs introduced iTunes at Macworld. At the time, it only ran on Macintosh computers, and there was no such thing as an iPod or an iTunes store. And in 2005, the Airbus A380, the world's largest commercial jet and nicknamed the Shipper Jumbo, is unveiled at a ceremony in Toulouse, France, where I was born. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, let's talk about that A380 because, as you know, I'm a bit of an aviation geek and mm -hmm. I was always fascinated by the Airbus, you know, the double-decker plane. And, yes, it was uh, it was, it was was first unveiled properly in 2005, I didn't see the first one until 2007 when I saw Singapore Airlines uh, A380 took off as we were uh, arriving at Heathrow to go on holiday somewhere. And I always thought, look at the absolute ridiculous size of this aircraft. And if you think about it, the first big aircraft was the Boeing 747, and that first mm. flew in the late 60s. And it's only just over the last couple of years, mainly as a result of the pandemic, that the final 747s have effectively been retired. Now, a lot of the reason the 747 has been retired is because it's a it's an, a design that's been around for 50-odd years, and there are more modern planes which 
uh, much more fuel efficient. But the A380 is a modern airliner. It's not been around for 20 years yet, and yet they have stopped producing it. The last A380 rolled off the production line, I think, in 2021, went to Emirates. And, of course, the big reason is that the pandemic has decimated the airline industry. Mm -hmm. And airlines found that they didn't need an aircraft that could potentially take between five and 600 people. And, therefore, Airbus decided to close down the production and, and focus more on their narrow body, uh, on their uh, narrower body jets. And it's only now that everything's starting to bounce back. And I read an article recently that um, Emirates, which runs, which actually has the biggest fleet of A380s, they've got about 120 of them, which is incredible to think about. They've started to refurbish all of those Airbuses with new seats and everything. And that's going to cost about, I believe, about £20 billion to refit all those 120 aircraft. But now... Emirates are starting to say, do you know what? Things are bouncing back to the point where we want Airbus to consider effectively coming up with the next generation Airbus A380. So perhaps the Super Jumbo isn't dead just yet. Well, I'm not able to help with that because it so happens that where I'm living now near Nantes is a big Airbus center. So I might be able to let you know what people talk <laughs> about locally, but also when they are completing an aircraft which has been obviously ordered by either a private airline or you know um, a government they do the test in the air around here so you always see that's this massive aircraft being tested at very low altitude which is always quite um you know kind of surprising i very tempted to to talk about the global james bond day which needed to become a, a tongue twister <laughs> for me a moment ago but i want to talk about paul allen the co-founder of microsoft sadly no longer with us um i believe i hope i'm not um wrong in that i mean you and i have spoken about uh, his contribution uh, particularly around the um, altair computer which you know they sold uh, very early on as a computer conference but what i didn't know is that paul allen was involved in some of the early version of streaming services um because you know people sometimes get a fixed you know particular specialism or a career path but in addition to the the other things he invested in it was literally um pay-per-view type of um of services in the us and he had a real go at creating what i suppose years and years later we take for granted the likes of netflix and disney plus and so on and and you were back to um, when he took over an existing channel name escapes me now. He actually went into content marketing mode. He actually developed a different format, different length. He had some very very kind of interesting naming of the different shows and so on. So there was a high level of clarity. That was really this idea of you know product per audience and time of the day. There was a lot of reflection on, on that pay per view, so that you know people could really. Uh, become a fan of a particular show within the pay-per-view channel and that is almost a given now you know this is an accepted practice but people like Paul Allen and, and, and many others did it 20 30 years ago now yeah I mean again I can remember back to Microsoft basic and, and actually loading basic onto a computer using a cassette tape oh, um, so you had to launch you had to load basic into the computer every time you wanted to use it and, and of course when you turn the computer off effectively 
it wiped it and therefore the, the next time you turned it on you had to load basic again i mean how far have we come but as we always say in this section of the show it's because people like paul allen went through these iterations that we have the technology that we have today yeah we we all so much just why this segment is so important for us and yeah, now I would say I've almost become historian of the world of marketing. You know, the visionaries and the pioneers of of the sometimes very distant past, but also more recent. You know, this is a legacy, and mm -hmm. and what are we what are we doing to you know to set foundations for future generations? So super ex exciting. But can I just say that in some kind of very romantic way, I do miss MS DOS because I felt like I was such a I was powerful. I was I knew commands, Roger. You know, I could write things down. Nobody could understand who would make things happen on the computer. Well, I mean, if you do get <laughs> pangs of um, of longing, you know, even now you can get to the command prompt on a on a Windows PC if you absolutely want to. <laughs> it is still there. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly, I I'm only we could argue a very late adopter of of Mac and iOS technology. So of course, when iTunes was out, I was a PC user. And did you ever try to get iTunes to work on a PC? I I I, came, I didn't come to iTunes until I got my first iPod. So I think I um iTunes had been around for quite a while before I got mm. my first iPod. So no, I didn't. I mean, literally, <laughs> it was the worst like QuickTime would just break your computer if you tried <laughs> to, to do all of that. Thanks very much. Right, everyone, let's get back into the present with our content creator shoutouts. Yeah. So, Roger, who is under the spotlight for the very first time in 2023 for our creators' shout-outs? Okay, my shout-out this week is a gentleman called Gavin Bell. Um, you might remember Gavin. He was a speaker at uh, the Content Marketing Academy conference back in 2017, same one that I was a speaker at. He now runs an agency, an advertising agency, called Yatta. What a fabulous name for a, for an advertising agency. They They specialize in um, pay-for-click type advertising, whether it is on Facebook, whether it's Google Ads, wherever it might be. Now, interestingly enough, you mentioned Chat GPT earlier, and we did talk about Chat GPT in a lot of detail in the last episode of Two Geeks, the Marketing Podcast. But I wanted to give Gavin a shout out this week because he's done a LinkedIn post just yesterday, and he said that he spent... 1500 quid testing whether chat gpt could write better ad copy than him okay so what he did is he ran a test so two identical facebook ad campaigns identical audiences identical creatives and they're both promoting yatta's service but the difference is one campaign had ai written copy i.e chat gpt did it and on the other one it was copy written by gavin and the team at yatta they then ran both set of ads for three weeks and obviously had to pay for those ads on the platform. So the ChatGPT ad campaign, they spent 609 quid. It generated 37 leads. So the average cost came in at £16.47. The campaign that they wrote themselves, they spent 902 quid on it, generating 72 leads, which worked out at an ad cost or at a lead cost of £12.00. 53 each so the result of that little experiment was that actually if you've written the ads yourself it was actually 31 percent cheaper than the ai written ones 
which mm. is very, very interesting. And the conclusion that Gavin came to in this little experiment, very, very similar to what you and I have been saying over the last few episodes, ChatGPT is a great tool, but is limited in the quality of its output, in, in, the, in the quality of its output. And poor output is often a result of poor input. It can, write, it can write good, decent copy, but this proves that it probably needs to be edited by a human. And therefore, his final conclusion is the robots aren't taking over yet. But again, it comes back to me. I, I've actually used, uh, used ChatGTP to create titles for my last few YouTube videos. Uh -huh. And what you do is you put in a load of keywords. So I'm, I've done a video about walking around Edinburgh, walking around Lytham St. Anne's. Give me some, give me 10 suggested titles. And it doesn't do a bad job, Pascal. I have to tweak them. I have to mess around with them, but it's better than sitting there for an hour and a half coming up with 10 different variations myself. It gives me a starting point. And I like this little experiment that Gavin's done because it just proves that maybe you can get the ideas. And it's just like I said, right at the start of the show, you can get the prompts, but it's the human that makes the difference. Yeah, you know, you're right. Take your 80% of the way. And then the 20% is where we come in. I mean, I remember someone commenting, not just on chat GPT, but typically about the, the, the copy in particular that is produced by AI saying, it reads like a student who didn't do enough prep, who is bored and doesn't want to <laughs> yes. write the essay, but has to because of a deadline. Absolutely right. Do you know, and and so when we talk about passion and emotion, that being part of what it feels like to read, watch, and listen to your content, so that I can trust you as a brand. If you come across as a bored student, then that's perhaps not <laughs> perhaps not the best way. So my selections actually oddly um, take us back to your in the news uh, segment around bringing interaction as part of your marketing strategy. You spoke about quizzes, assessments, um, some form of. Uh, and interestingly, they've moved away, haven't they, from, from gamification, which I think is helpful. I think interactivity is probably better. And I want to bring, probably for the third time now, our friend Chris Ducker as part of our content creation, content creator spotlight, who has released actually an online assessment. It's called it have you taken the next steps business assessment yet designed by chris ducker who's literally poured everything he's doing as a coach consultant and book author and you're going to be taken through quite interactive and online and really kind of low low tech i would say it's not going to be very demanding but what you get back is is fantastic um looking at three elements in your business for this year in terms of then how do you move on to the next stage so operations and system the engine of your business you know, you're going to be taken through a number of, of reflective question then marketing and sales of course one of chris's favorite subject like you and i i kind of just say for our audience it is marketing and sales not sales and marketing you can't sell something you haven't marketed i've closed the bracket on this one roger and then finally which I think is very important uh, for the conversation that we've had. If we, if we go back to the marketing tech and app you've chosen and more, lifestyle. And the assessment, when you go on the landing page and on, you, you see the link on the show notes, there is a very important um, question. You know, are you set up to scale your expert business without burnout? 
And that, as you know, because you know the history, uh, Chris's history around burnout and so on, and you and I have discussed it time and time again as a leader, as a team member and so on, watch out, watch out for the signals. I think it's very, very important. So the last element of lifestyle, I think to me, is great. But I just wanted to kind of um, celebrate and applaud Chris for creating the assessment. Whilst it would be easy for you to use and, and, and very informative report back to you, the behind the scene and the deliberations and the design stage, no doubt it was, was very, very long and well thought out. So here it is, do the assessment and then you know, use the app that Roger gave you to be productive and to be focused as well. Yep, well done, Chris. Always comes up with some innovative angles, does our Chris? No, absolutely. All right, Roger. We mentioned it during the introduction. It is time to move on to film marketing and perhaps predict whether or not this will be the blockbuster of 2023. So today we're going to be talking about the the launch of the marketing campaign of Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning, part one. Let's watch a trailer. Well, it's definitely a Mission Impossible film. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was, it's always beautifully filmed as well. And then you have the great storytelling. You've got the great kind of intrigue, the action. Uh, everything is there. It's, um, I mean, it, I, I suppose it's, it's the seventh movie. 
it's a it's a franchise that's been around we all know the motives it's like james bond there are things about a a, a mission impossible film that you just take for granted you know incredible stunts incredible locations beautiful cinematography um you know as you say great storytelling glamorous locations as i guess as well and all of that is included within this trailer so already we know that this is going to be an incredibly exciting film and and, I, and again you know i i watched the last one fallout and we reviewed that mm. in an earlier episode of um, two geeks in the marketing podcast and that is an incredible film with some incredible locations and incredible stunts and some incredible storytelling and you do wonder is it absolutely possible for them to <laughs> exceed what they achieved in the last film and the answer is probably yes um and some of the things we're going to talk about coming up proves that they have put so much work into some of the stunts in this film that it almost beggars belief how much work has been put into some of these stunts and i just know that because of all that work it is going to be a spectacle yeah what i think is is important to mention uh, and it can be easily forgotten is that the amount of work they put into the story line and the characters and how they are dealing with what is happening because i think to me that's one of the reasons this franchise lasted so long is that actually you you see you know uh the, the characters going through a, a number of, of incidents and you could mm. say you know okay this is now time for the stunt this is now time for the body to do this and so on but actually you're taking into an emotional level about concerns for the main characters and saying well where do we go from there you know what, what's going to happen and so on and, and that to me is where they've got it right you know we we didn't get to the point where we felt right this has gone too long now i don't care anymore or I don't get it. Why is he reacting like this? You know, I think there's a there's a uh, there's a truth about the character arc since you know the very very first one that uh, I think is really 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 helping. And therefore, I mean, I'm looking forward to actually seeing what's going to happen to them as much as enjoying the studs and so on. And I think the trailer is being um, is in line with that. I think which is. We're gonna we're gonna really entertain you, but you're gonna be also taken on this journey with the characters you've you've learned to love. But in fact, there's not much dialogue in this trailer. <laughs> I mean, in fact, I might be I might be wrong. I should have checked before we started. But there's only one line of dialogue in the actual trailer, and that's from the the f the old the old boss character from quite a few films ago who hasn't mm. been in it for a while almost like saying to ethan hunt you know you're you're a has-been and you you know you're out of, out of time and all of that sort of thing the rest of it is just done from a cut of and a montage of shots isn't it no completely and, and i think um on i would therefore qualify what we've we've seen all together as a teaser trailer mm. and then i suppose you and i after reviewing you know now 91 um movies why 91 because of course we reviewed no time to die twice we seem to get familiar with the the tempo and the rhythm and i think there's going to be future trailers maybe some character spotlights and so on yes. which is why it's so exciting to just look, be looking at the launch and when we think about the, the marketing campaign, Roger, what, what has been interesting uh, about this one is there was murmurs about the work, but actually there was also the clarity about the announcement. And memory's failing, but I'm going to say it was early 2019, where uh, Tom Cruise announced that there would be seven and eight 
and they would be filmed more or less together. And am I misremembering? But did he say at the same time? And this is it. These these are the last ones. Yeah, I think that's it. So January the fourteenth, twenty nineteen, they announced, or Tom Cruise announced, the seventh and eighth films shot back to back with mm -hmm. Christopher McQuarrie as the director. Interestingly, I hadn't realised that Rogue Nation and Fallout, which were the previous two, were also shot back to back. Yeah. I didn't know that until mm -hmm. I did the uh, the notes for this. Uh, but it just goes to show how incredible those two movies were. I wouldn't have thought they were shot back to back having watched them. Now, the original intention was for the films to be released 23rd of June, sorry, 23rd of July 2021 for the first one and August the 5th, 2022 for the second. And of course, our old friend COVID got in the way. The pandemic came along. And if you actually read some of the production articles, they have just been hit with so many problems. Not only did mm. the pandemic shut down the production for the first lockdown, but it also created a lot of trouble later on when they got the whole crew back together i think some people within the team got covid and they decided that they'd have to shut down again for a second time rather than risk the entire crew getting infected and then other things happened such as some of the locations that they'd already scouted out to do some of the um, effect shots to do some of the stunts the local governments, the local um, population decided to change their mind and they then had to go away and re-scout for similar locations because some of the shots had already been filmed, so they had to find replacement places that looked the same. So it did seem to me as if they were hit with quite a lot of issues mm. compounded by the pandemic. Um, and because of all that, the, the films have been rescheduled several times, but we've been given these dates now that July the 14th, 2023, this year is Mission Impossible 7 and the next one, the final one, will be June the 28th, 2024. And you're absolutely right. Um, Tom Cruise is on record as saying that that's it then. They'll effectively wrap up the story of Ethan Hunt and his compatriots wow. and there won't be any more films. Now, you and I know what Hollywood's like. <laughs> if, this, if, this, if this movie makes an absolute fortune like it probably will it may well be that like maverick they get tempted to come back in the future but you know sometimes I, I i just wonder i just think sometimes there has to be a natural end mission impossible isn't like james bond where you can recast the actor to mm. uh you know ethan hunt is ethan hunt it's not they've not done that james bond thing where every couple of films it's a new person acting it's always been tom cruise so if they were to do mission impossible again i think it would have to be a totally and utter completely different reboot different characters everything it, it wouldn't be right to bring these people back again even older yeah and no, absolutely so what is interesting listening to you and and you know putting myself in in, in the shoes of the other marketing team is to kind of stop and go stop you know and, and go and as a result of which you could be concerned about the audience goodwill to just even be interested you know it's almost mm -hmm. like that syndrome where if you wait too long for something eventually you, you lose interest so so they had to reignite interest with a bit of a bang and i think they got that right yeah now we know that Tom Cruise does his own stunts. Mm -hmm. And and I remember reading, um, and it, when we talked about it, didn't we, for Fallout, you know that scene where he jumps out of the back of the um, cargo plane? He did that, 
about 150 times, didn't he, to get the right shots. 150 times. I wouldn't even jump out of an aeroplane once. He did it 150 times. Now, <clears throat> around about last summer, um, and this was released at CinemaCon in 2022, they issued a video of Tom Cruise sitting on the top wing of a biplane as it was flying over South Africa. And he then starts to give people some snippets about <laughs> not only not, I mean, he, he actually pays, he actually makes reference to Top Gun Maverick. So it was That's around right. about yeah, the time yeah, yeah, that yeah. Top Gun Maverick came out. So he says, thanks for watching Top Gun Maverick. We're here in South Africa. We're filming Mission Impossible. We are getting it to you. It's going to be fantastic. And, and Pascal, the guy is on the top of a biplane about 10,000 feet above this most incredible South African landscape. He's on this biplane, and then halfway through, and he's talking to the camera. It's a bit windy, as you would expect. And another biplane flies in behind him, and Christopher McClory, the, the director of these films, is sat in the other biplane, this yeah, yeah. yellow biplane. And you know that there's going to be another plane in front of them filming this. And then after um, after uh, Tom Cruise has delivered, de delivered his lines, the two biplanes just bank away and drop out of the camera right down. And you think, they must have spent weeks and weeks just prepping that teaser. I mean, you just don't say, I tell you what, I tell you what, uh, Chris, Tom, let's just hire a couple of biplanes and pop up into the sky and film a quick trailer for Mission Impossible. <laughs> this would have taken, this was, this was, you know, as technically complex as any, it, it's a bit more laid back. Yes, he's not in character. He's sat there saying, hey, everybody, I'm sat mm. on the top of a biplane. But the amount of work that must have gone into just creating that is, to me, remarkable. And what was interesting was literally um, a stunt that became a PR stunt that yeah. then was because I mean, what, what they did, and interestingly, this was the summer and this still gets shared. I still got someone sending me uh, <laughs> via WhatsApp. Have you seen this? I said, yeah, pretty much everybody has last year. But so they're still discovering new audiences. What was remarkable about the filming, a, I couldn't believe how good the audio was, bearing in mind the, in the situation up in the air, flying and so on. And I've watched it several times. I couldn't tell, but it looks as though the only thing that Tom Cruise is doing is hanging on with his with one of his hand on the basically a very thick leather strap. It doesn't look like there's anything else in terms of a harness and so on. Maybe there is, and it's good moving magic, and that's what they do. But when that kind of um, you know aircraft starts to tilt to the side and kind of dies down. I'm thinking the G-force must be quite something, and I hope this got very well. I know he's got very strong arms, but uh, that was quite something. And and I think because of the sense <laughs> of peril, that's why people just completely aghast. Yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. And and this sort of continued. I mean, there hasn't been. Let's face it, there hasn't been much marketing for this film just yet. We know the release date. We've mm -hmm. got the teaser trailer. We haven't had a post yet, as far as I could find. We haven't had any character spots, as you predict there will be, and I'm sure there will be loads of character spots. There may be even location spots and that sort of thing. The new actors, the old actors, I mean, obviously there's quite a few of the older characters coming back in addition to the fact that we're getting some new um, friends and foes coming back into it. But they really do seem to be focusing in on teasing us with quite a few of the stunts. Now, the next video that I came across on YouTube, and this is Again, utterly astonishing. The title of the video is The Biggest Stunt in Cinema History. 
Now, this is a behind-the-scenes video that apparently was first shown to theatre owners at CinemaCon back in 2021. So, again, they managed to keep this under wraps. And That's just something, isn't it? You know, how the hell that didn't leak, goodness knows. But then, of course, it was released just before Christmas 2022. And it's a 10-minute video about how they prepared for this stunt, which is going to be in Mission Impossible 7. And effectively, it's um, Tom Cruise driving a motorcycle over the top of this cliff. And this cliff has got an indented bowl shape to its um, its sheer cliff face. And the motorbike goes down and he, and he plummets and then pulls out a, a, a parachute all the way down. And this video goes into a lot of detail as to how they prepped for this. So they had him do the motorcycle test jumps and apparently they did 13,000 test jumps i mean get your head around that pascal 13,000 test jumps and as and as tom cruise said he had to be absolute needle accurate from his takeoff point to his landing point to keep it safe and that's why they did 13,000 jumps and then they did 50 sorry 500 skydives to practice just the pulling of the parachute and then of course eventually they then filmed him riding the cycle over the edge falling all the way down and then pulling the um the parachute and this is a this is a 10 minute video now anybody who watches that video is now going to go and see the film because they're going to want to see how that stunt works out in the context of the movie. Because what was very clever about this particular YouTube video is that whilst they give us an incredible amount of detail as to how they set the stunt up, we actually don't really see what the ultimate final result is. And that is just fascinating, isn't it? You want to know. I want to know. All that work, what's it going to actually look like in the context of the movie? So to me, it's genius that they've done this because it will make anybody who watches it want to go and see the movie. I think it, it takes us back to, I'm going to say it was one of your creator shanters, I could be wrong, about show the work. And, excuse me, the, <coughs> the um, interestingly, this particular video, I mean, the, the PR stunt and the stunt that we mentioned about, about on the aircraft, I get. This is a 10-minute documentary. This is essentially, like, you watch it and you're completely enthralled. I mean, I watch it twice and time just flies by as you watch it. And as you you have the narration, you have you know the the cutaways. You've got all sort of stuff going on. So again, to your point about the production value and what they've done, so you had obviously the VIP treatment. You could see this at the IMAX, and eventually it was released. And what has been fascinating, you know, you called it the biggest stunt in movie history. Every single kind of um, blogger, uh, a formal you know media companies as well as informal bloggers, have used the same title. Can I just you know kind of take us away from the world of film? This is SEO magic because <laughs> for the next few centuries, whenever someone Google's, if Google's still around, you know what is the biggest stunt in film history? That's going to be number one yes. everywhere. So there's also I love the marketing tactic of claim your labels. You know, use your own mm -hmm. hashtag emojis mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. and do that 
But normally, historically, this would have been an extra when you bought the Blu-ray, right? Yeah, yeah. And here we are now completely reversing everything, saying, I tell you what, bear in mind that you guys have been waiting since 2019 for this. We're not going to kind of shortchange you. We're going to reignite your interest. And we're going to show you two things, you know, the, the PR stunt about making the announcement. And we're going to show you the craft. And we're going to show you that as storytellers, as kind of entertainers, we put the work in and here is a 10 minute documentary as a gift to all of you i suppose that's if there are any advantages of the delays this mm. must be it the fact that they've got so much in the bag already that they could afford the time that they effectively lost to do this to give these big teasers do you think there'll be more like this before the film gets released nope no, I don't no. think so. And no. I tell you, I tell you why is um, because otherwise you give um, too much away too much on, on this yeah. occasion. But also, um, this is the one that people would keep sharing and going back to. I think they're going to be delving into uh, different elements of of of, of the um, the production uh, and so on. Um, that, so that would be my suggestion, which is that th this this is the, the biggest. So if you were to show it something else, it would be of lesser impact and lesser interest. My conviction, because actually Denise was asking me, you know, now that, that we watch it, I mean, bless her, she had to watch it twice with me because I was so interested. She said, well, does it not spoil the movie for you? I said, no, because actually I have some confidence that two things, by the time we watch it, as, as you mentioned, I'll be so taken by the story. When it presents itself, I'll, I'll get excited, but I'm absolutely sure it will look different as well. Oh, I don't yeah. think we've seen, no. you know, the, the angle they've gone for. We've not seen the, the montage that they're going to go for. No, and of course, that big ramp that they built, mm. that'll be green screened out or something, won't it? So I think what they've been very clever is they've shown how they've performed the stunt, but we have absolutely no no idea what the context of the stunt actually is. And that, yeah. to me, is the genius bit. Now, listen, thank you so much for choosing. I think we're starting with uh, literally a bang in yeah. 23 with uh, yeah. Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. And what I'm taking away is that sometimes a teaser campaign can start big and huge. You know, other mm -hmm. teaser campaign we've looked at start with a little whisper and then grows and grows and grows over time. Um, you know, Rings of Power comes to mind as, as one that we've reviewed and so on. Um, you could argue actually a fallout starting with just a black and white shot mm -hmm. of a clapperboard uh, on the Tom Cruise official account, and then it built up. And here they went, now nah, let, let's reverse it and let's give the audience something that celebrate the art of um, movie and, and storytelling. Absolutely. No, I can't wait. And as we said, there's going to be, I'm sure, a poster soon. I mean, I would expect a poster very soon. Uh, and I'm sure that we are going to get character spots coming out. I mean, let's face it, we've got a lot of returning characters. Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, they've all been it before. Simon Pegg, obviously. Um, Ving Rhymes is back. Also, one of the new villains is, mm. uh, I'm not sure I'll pronounce this right, Issei Morales, he, yeah. play, he played a, a really nasty character in the Ozark series on Netflix. He is a terrifying uh, Latin American actor, so I can't wait to see what he what role he's playing. And I would expect they'll be doing some profiles on these characters very soon.
Super. Well, listen, I hope you don't mind, but on behalf of obvious listeners for 2K Martin Podcast, could I ask you to kind of come back? Um, I know you will be part of the show, but um, be take the lead for a full review of the marketing campaign yeah. in July of this year, what we Absolutely. could be looking at from uh, from January onwards, what has happened to push Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part 1. Everyone, Definitely. this has been episode 92 the very first of 2023. It's been really good, Roger, to be back uh, in front of the microphone and, uh, you know, looking at you uh, internally. So listen, thank you for watching and listening. As always, we really thank you for your support. Please, if you haven't saw, tell others to subscribe and leave your comment and suggestion for the kind of content you want us to review uh, this year. Until next time, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. He was Roger Edwards and I was Pascal Fintoni. Mm -hmm.